0: Join us, go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is and save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today.
1: Today on the show, I'm talking with Derek Harris, who does a lot of marketing and PR at Mesosphere. And we're really gonna be diving into how businesses are changing the way they, they do things based on the amount of data that A is available and B the speed that you can analyze it and make some decisions with it. So let's get into it.
0: Welcome to RocketShip.fm, the podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales and everything in between.
2: I'm Michael Saka.
1: And I'm Joel Goldman.
2: Okay, well, I'll start with the current day, Derek. Which is, I work for a startup called um, Mesosphere. We sell software. It's called a data center operating system. You can look us up. Where, um, you know, I, I don't want to get too deep into that. But I, and I run a, a lot of our PR and our blog, and I help out with a lot of marketing and external messaging. Um, and and part of the reason for that, you know, that role is has to do with the last, uh, well, the previous like thirteen years of my my career career where I was a, a technology journalist, um, the last six of which were at GigaOM, which I'm sure a, a fair number of your listeners have heard of. So I covered a lot of data and cloud computing and artificial intelligence, that type of thing.
1: So in plain English, uh, Mesosphere can, is kind of a complex company. How would you describe <laughs> uh, what you guys do and why it's so exciting?
2: So, so I think the easiest way to describe it is is that we, we're building a platform called DCOS, Data Center Operating System, that makes it uh, very easy, much easier than has previously been possible, to build and manage the types of applications that that companies need to build to be successful today. And um, taking it just one step lower, that's things like, if, if you're familiar with things like Docker containers or application containers or um, you know, big data systems, Apache, Kafka, Spark, Cassandra, Hadoop, these types of things. These are the types of things that, that are notoriously complex and that we make uh, rather simple, like simpler than I, I think has previously been possible.
1: And why is that so important now? What's changing in the landscape of how companies are operating and thinking about the future that uh, makes simplifying the, the data side uh, so critical?
2: Well, I, I think mostly it's because there's just so much um, data being generated now, right? There, I mean, if you think about any given application, right? Any any given smartphone app, I mean, if you have a thousand users, even, you have a thousand devices and a thousand people sending data to, to your application on on a daily basis, um, and so 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 the, the, that's that's kind of the scale part. If you're bigger, I mean, if you're you know, if you, if you, God forbid, you're at the Facebook size scale or Google, right, you have just ungodly amounts of data being being thrown at your system, right, that you need to be able to scale and serve and analyze and do all these things. And that's, you know, that takes these new types of systems. Um, the, you know, for a smaller company, it's a, and for any company really, though, the, the data is so valuable now because consumers are starting to demand more personalized and more intelligent applications. Then these are the types of things that require you know, some, some sometimes simple, sometimes rather complex data analysis. And, you know, there are things like the Internet of Things, which and connected devices, which I think are, is on the top of everyone's mind today. And, you know, these types of, to do these types of things requires processing data in real time. It requires being able to handle, you know, streams of data from all sorts of places. And you need these, you know, you need new types of data systems to do that. The old Oracle or MySQL database as the core of this just isn't going to cut it in a world where there's all these different types of data and the, the requirements for serving and analyzing it are, are just so much, so much greater.
1: So what do you see changing in, in the types of businesses now that uh, maybe five years ago weren't really concerned with data um, and now, now it's just so critical? Um, can mm-hmm. you walk through maybe an example of how a company um, that you know or that's a customer of yours has changed the way they approach this?
2: Certainly, and I mean, so I can, I, I can. There are there are a few. I just got back from uh, the annual MesosCon conference last night, and we had several customers uh, talking about that on, on stage actually. Um, so one of our big customers at Mesosphere is Verizon, and Verizon is, you know, deploying like these systems, uh, Apache Spark, Cassandra, Kafka, these types of things, in order to. Manage, you know, like streaming video and and all these all these businesses. Um, it wants to get into the Internet of Things. Like I said, I mean, it has these. It has partner. It has customers using drones for stuff and and doing all these things. And, and it has all these devices again. And so, it, I mean, if it's if you're gonna do a streaming video service, let's say, then you know maybe 5 years ago Verizon was like well we're a cable company right <laughs> we're or we're a, we're a, we're a wireless company but now if they're doing streaming video all of a sudden they need to be capturing that data that their users are generating and they need to be using that to deliver them a more personalized experience otherwise you're going to go watch Netflix right um i think you know uh, time Warner cables and other customer bars i mean just happens to be two companies in kind of the same space but you can imagine a very similar a very similar use case there and then we have another customer which is uh, Esri, which actually does geospatial mapping software, which doesn't sound too interesting until you consider the type of application that it demonstrated on stage yesterday, which was or on Thursday, I guess. I'll, I'll say it was on, it was on June second, so whenever to say it was on June second. But it was like a real time taxi cab monitoring application for for a city like New York, and you know, so so five years ago, another company like Esri might have been serving up some mapping services to to customers, and they might have been updated. I don't know, monthly or, or whatever, quarterly, um, they might've been, you know, they, they certainly went to in real time. And they certainly wouldn't have been able to do this stuff at this type of scale. So like, you know, it's, it's just the, it's, it's, sometimes it's a whole new businesses needing to realize, realize, okay, we need to get into this. And the other thing, is, the other time is because companies had already understood that data was that their data was even the core of their business saying, okay, we have to really step this up now. This has to be real time. This has to be, um, you know, this has, this has to be just more scalable. We have to be able to handle more cell phones feeding us data, for example, or more devices feeding us data. So that's that type of thing. And not to ramble, but I would say that if there's a driver of some of this, frankly, it's when you look at companies like Google that are, you know, getting into so many areas now and are so far ahead and have always been kind of leading the charge on this front. I think a lot of companies look at this and they say, okay, like we, we really need to get competitive. And data is a great way to do that. If we don't, Google will take over maps, right? Google can take over TV. Google will do all these things. So I think a lot of companies are trying to play, play, uh, keep competitive.
1: So you've mentioned personalization a couple times as kind of the primary driver of all this data, which, you know, if you think about it, can trickle into not only your experience using an app or being in a place, but all the marketing and sales that goes along with it. Are there other big components of the business that are more data driven now than they used to be, or is it really like this whole movement just around personalization?
2: No, I think it's everything. I mean, business intelligence has been around for a long time and that's still a big space. And you know, that, you know, those types of things of keeping up on your, your KPIs, right. Your, your performance indicators. And those are just getting, I think, I think like in that space, it's going to be sales you know, tracking sales, predicting pipeline, all those things. Um, those are just getting better now because of data. We just have so much more of it and you can analyze it so much easier. There's a whole, a whole business now around what some people call data discovery. Some people have uh, all sorts of data exploration, this type of thing. But that's, that's when you see companies like Tableau Software or you know, a, whole, a whole group of companies that kind of sprung up in the past, I don't know, let's say five to seven years. That And, and their whole business is making it easy for companies to explore their data and figure out where the money's coming from and figure making it easier to predict things and and making it easier to you know find these that's kind of a cliche at this point but to find you know these business insights they didn't have before so that's an area where uh, data has definitely been a big deal and then the other one is just like i said speed real time getting this stuff faster whether whether your data analysts are getting results faster whether your users are getting um you know whether your users are getting uh, information fed back to them faster. We you know, if I want, if my Fitbit app needs to be accurate along with my wristband, right? Like, I mean, that's not really a personalization problem as much as it's just a user experience, right? I mean, I, I, you need you need fast data systems in order to to do those types of things.
1: Are you guys doing anything kind of cutting edge or experimental with the data that you collect?
2: Uh, I won't. I, I won't go that far. Um, you know, we're, we're still a startup. We're still growing our business in a lot of ways. We certainly look at data. Um, you know, we, co- we collect data where we can about, about usage or about, you know, obviously lead generation, that type of stuff. But, you know, at, at, at this point, um, I wouldn't say we're doing anything crazy. Um, you know, that, that's, that sort of thing comes. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think that thing, sort of thing comes with maturity. You kind of, when you're a three-year-old company, your best bet is to get a side. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not the business person by any means at the company but i think at this stage you know your 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 best bet is to get a a solid foundation in place right and then later on you i mean but we definitely look at data i mean it would be foolish not to
0: when rain wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep he had two choices construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow at&t business eventually talked him into the pillow thing Backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com.
1: So uh, a while back, we had a conversation with Michael Conley, who does all the digital marketing for the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, we kind of got into a lot of the things that they're doing for instance, they can send you a coupon or a notification to your phone based on what concession stand you're near. Um, hmm. So it's really this like ultra personal, to me almost invasive usage of data. You know, you're and, and you're going to start seeing this more and more when you're in physical spaces. People are going to know where you are and give you offers for things. Do you see a backlash coming? Because I I think that there's a demand for personalization. But there's got to be a point where people want a little bit of privacy.
2: Yeah. So I think, so first of all, it's funny you ask that because this is something, when I used to talk to people in the space, let's say five years ago, this was kind of the the highlight or, you know, this was the thing that people were talking about. Oh, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. And it, never, it hasn't really happened yet, but we're on the cusp of it now because of, like I said, some of these new systems that are around that are becoming pervasive and making it also so much easier to do this stuff in real time. Um so, so, so yeah, I, th- I think we are going to start seeing more of that now and, and certainly sports and, and sports teams are almost on the cutting edge of that because they, they, they try to do it um, with, with such an intimate experience with their fans. I think, I think there'll be a backlash if you didn't sign up for something. I think, what's, I think the expectation is what's going to drive a lot of this. So if I, if I download an app on my phone and I had to pay no attention to the terms of service or the permissions it needs or, or anything like that and all of a sudden it's, Hitting me up, I'm getting emails or I'm getting alerts about something. Uh, That that's going to probably upset me. That's going to make me think twice about keeping that app on my phone. On the other hand, something like a sports app. I mean, if I download the Cleveland, I don't. I mean, I don't know how they what the experience is, but if I have to download like the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, app, right, or the in-stadium app or something, and my whole purpose of doing that is to get information about the Cavs or to have a more you know kind of uh, immersive in-game experience when I'm at the stadium. Then, then I think I think that's probably acceptable, right? I think the expectations and what we're trying to get out of something are really the things that are going to affect how we think about that. Mm. You certainly look at ads on, I would say you look at ads in diff, like on Google differently, you look at ads on Facebook or something, right? Or on, on Twitter, right? All those have different expect, user expectations. So we consume ads differently.
1: So that makes sense. You know, if you opt into something, you expect some level of engagement and um, as it gets more personal, the assumption is that it gets better for you. but what about kind of the the changing currency really of the internet, which is less about money in a lot of ways and more about your data? and so when you think something's free, you 're actually paying with your data. Um, that 's not real transparent to
2: a lot of people
1: I'm curious your thoughts
2: on that I think it 's becoming more transparent i mean I, I think the ad blocker controversy of the past year or so especially when iOS uh, <laughs> put it as a default uh, uh, function um, really opened a lot of people's eyes to, to the way the internet works I mean I happen to think that's going that's going to change I happen to think that we're going to there, I think there, there has to be a shift at some point because people are getting a little fed up fr- frankly with, with 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 the data collection and with some of the stuff that's happening. Um, again it just happened it's just all about What the expectation is? There are applications that you absolutely—I will give Google all the data in the world because I trust it and it provides value to me. If there's a company that you know, if if, if there's an experience where I I suspect they're they're doing something untoward with my data, I'm going to think I'll I'll, I'll, uh, take it. Definitely think a lot harder about whether I how I engage with that. I mean, obviously, there's education that has to happen, right? Not everyone is digitally savvy. Not everyone understands. What's happening? the other thing too is ad block I mean really ad blockers and do not track and these types of things are becoming a lot more prevalent and companies are starting to build privacy in as a first order feature mm-hmm. so I think I think we're going to see the business of the web shift a little bit It doesn't make data any less important by any stretch, and maybe it may, means actually companies are get, getting more valuable data maybe they, they proved to, <laughs> to consumers like, hey, this is something that we're really a valuable service. You really want to give us your data. Here's what we're going to do with it. Here's how it's going to benefit you, right? That's a much more transparent engagement than um, a 9,000-page terms of service that you can't read that says you're giving up all your access to everything you're doing while you're on the site. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I think that has to happen.
1: So what are some of the biggest changes you see in in the landscape um, on you know the next – Three to five years. Who a? That's a big one. I know.
2: <laughs> that's, a, that's a big one because I, I swear in, when, you, when you work in, when you work at or cover Silicon Valley and then the tech scene generally, it's like the the three to five years is like a, a millennium. <laughs> I, mean, but, um, I think I, I think what we're really going to see uh, artificial intelligence take off, and I don't mean like robots overtaking the world or like you know any of the kind of uh, hyperbolic. Um, fantasies right. that uh, I that robot. some people have, yeah. right? But I mean, like, yeah, we, your experiences online, especially on, on big platforms, are going to be fundamentally changed by by AI and the and the, and the types of data analysis they're able to do. Um, they're just it's like personalization; it's just going to be much more personalized. Um, you're going to see a lot smarter services from everything from spam detection is like the classic AI success story. That's going to get even smarter. Mm-hmm. Um, flight, travel, planning, uh, photo curation. Google does all these things already. Um, Facebook certainly has, has a big, a big push. And then on the business side, you know, you're already seeing Salesforce, .com. I mean so everyone uses Salesforce right or a lot of a lot of companies use Salesforce and I mean a few years ago Salesforce bought this machine learning based CRM company called Relate IQ last month I think it bought this deep learning AI company out of Stanford called MetaMind and like so business software is starting to embrace these things so you know if you if you ever, if you're a, if you're in sales and you're thinking like well, this isn't really helping me pick my best leads or this isn't really helping me do whatever, I mean, I think the mission, the goal of these things pretty expressly is to these types of investments is, is to make that experience even smarter, right? So um, and I mean, whatever they're going to analyze, that's a great thing about AI too. It's not like you have to sit and go analyze, you know, here are the predictors of who's going to be a good lead. It's kind of like, here are the good leads, go analyze that funnel. <laughs> and figure out what, you know, What you, you tell us what made them a good lead, right? And, and you, you present that information to us. So it could be pretty powerful.
1: So if I'm the owner of a business um, that, let's say we're not Facebook scale, um, but we have enough volume of data that it can really be impactful, and I don't know where to get started with even learning, you know, what I can pull out and how I can pull it out and what I can do with it. What resources are out there? Um, to kind of self-educate on that front.
2: Well, so I think, I mean, I think a great thing to do is just to look at, um, you know, you follow. You, you could follow, you know, some of the the blogs of these companies. You could read some of the stories, some of the, some, uh, certainly some of the stories in the press about what they're doing. I think, I think the first big thing is always getting that idea, right? Like what, like what, what's possible, right? What do I have? That I can make, and you have to think about it internally. To this, what do I have that could be valuable, and how could I, you know, what do I want to get from that? Right, you have to think about the problem you want to solve. This first, I think. So, if you're a company and you're, I don't know, this is hypothetically say you're trying to build another personal assistant app because you don't think that Siri or Google Now are are good enough, right? And you want to be that next company. You know, you're going to look at the type of data you can collect you're collecting from your users, and you're going to go, now, what do I want to do? Maybe I'm going to focus on. Predicting there when they have a meeting, I'm going to just nail in on that, right? You got to figure out what kind of data you need and, and kind of how you can analyze that to to make the most sense out of it. Um, and at that point, at, at that point, I think then you go the step deeper. You know the problem you want to solve. You know the data you might need to do it. And then and then you go a step deeper. You go, okay, what have other people used? What kind of technologies have they used to do this? Um, you know, and then and what types of algorithms are they using? I mean, certainly, you know, you're gonna you you'll probably want someone with a with a background in I mean, depends what you're doing. If you want to do machine learning or something, you're going to want someone with a background in that. It doesn't need to be a, you know, three hundred thousand dollar a year machine learning engineer or data scientist, but it could be a, you know, certainly someone with, with just some experience. And maybe it's just maybe you just really want to get better at tracking your data. I mean, there are small businesses, certainly small businesses that don't do any of that that really haven't tracked. Maybe they've used like QuickBooks or something, you know. And and at that point, maybe the answer is you know, let's think about how we could be smarter. I mean, look around and see what other companies, even this modern, you know, bigger companies have done, but and see how you could narrow that down to your scale. I mean, I think it just, data to me is usually about the idea. And once you have the idea, once you have a sense of what you want to do, I don't think it's that difficult to go and look at how you might go about building that. There's just so much information out there.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I almost wonder, you know, there's been this whole trend of, online schools to learn how to code and then um kind of on the back of that there's a lot of like growth hack courses and things that are becoming trendier and i see data really being that next wave of learning that is going to be super valuable for for people to learn and and take to their companies
2: oh yeah absolutely i mean there's just (laughs) it's it's kind of like yes because like i said i mean it's not enough at this point I, i don't think to start a business and say like well, we have a website, right? <laughs> and we have, we you know, we, we have this up. I mean, like, it's, it's. I mean, if you really want to be competitive and you really want to grow into something potentially big, you know, you need to use data at some degree. It could be, it could be tiny. If you're in a small town, I think of like a kind of town where I grew up. I mean, if you're in a small town and probably no one is using, you know, no small business is using data in any meaningful way and you figure out a way to just, I don't know, I mean, just some small thing and, and you're able to ramp up your businesses that much more, like that can be a big deal. I mean, (laughs) that can be that that can be, you know, X amount of more revenue a year because you were able to do just a small little thing. And if you want to grow even obviously if you want to grow into a large multi million dollar company, well, yeah, you're probably gonna want to invest in some machine learning and some smart data exploration and, you know, some of those types of products and expertise. So yeah, it's absolutely critical.
1: Well, Derek, thanks so much for sharing with us today. For people who are interested in Mesosphere or following along with you and what you're doing, where can they go?
2: Uh, well, so they can go to mesosphere.com. That's a great place to spell just like the layer of the atmosphere. They can go and, um, and check us out there. And you can people can follow me on Twitter. I'm kind of active. <laughs> and that's at Derek Harris. It's uh, pretty, pretty easy to remember, so...
1: Great. Thanks, Derek.
2: All right. Thank you.
0: Big thanks to our sponsors for today's episode Design Crowd. Go to designcrowd.com forward slash rocket and get $100 off your next design project. And of course, segment.com. Go to segment.com forward slash rocket and get $300 off their team plan. Hit subscribe leave us a review. If you've listened this long, just leave a review. We, we owe it to us at this point, right? You're like the, the guy or girl at the party just hanging out way too late. The hosts just want to go to bed, but you know, you're still here, still wanting more. So, in iTunes, in Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, just leave us five stars, and, and we'll call it even. You can follow us on Twitter, Rocket Ship FM, or Follow me at Michael Saka or Joel at Joel Goldman. All right, we'll see you back here in just a couple of days.